Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello. You sound a little far away. Do I? Okay. I'm standing in the same spot. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes I feel like I'm too loud. Sometimes I'm not loud enough. I'm standing in the same spot I always stand in, so I don't know what's going on. It took forever to open the studio and let me in. I was like, oh no, another place that I've been barred from. <laughs> oh, you never that would know. be terrible. Yeah, it would be. You'd have to do this all by yourself, which may be better. I don't know. Sounds exhausting. How you doing? Great. I was going to say Happy New Year because this episode comes out out after the first of the year, but it's not New Year's for us yet. So it's kind of weird to say Happy New Year when New Year's hasn't happened for us. We're actually recording in advance. It's it's weird. (laughs) Yes, we won't know how to function more so than normal. What's that saying? Be careful what you wish for. Uh huh. You wish for this. So here you go. That's your punishment. Yeah. Just like no yep. good deed goes unpunished. That and the I, shitty books we've had to read for this. Those are my punishments. Oh my God. Yeah. I have to tell you, Mr. Big is so cute. He was in here. I didn't know it, but a ball of yarn. He's so desperate for toys. But after Angel actually bit him that one day, I will not. They have no toys. They have nothing. All are punished. A ball of yarn rolled off my stack. And he was grabbing it and tossing it up in the air and then chasing it. He was so cute. Oh, poor little baby. He, I know. He just ran out of the room. Thank God he left the yarn because he'll only end up chewing it up and getting fuzz down his throat. So you ready to do this? Yes. I just wanted to put a little update that we are not recording the book that we had announced at the end of the last episode because we did not like that book. I got to almost 80% in the book and was really struggling. You gave up way before I did. (laughs) You want to recap the book? Absolutely not. No. I've already control all deleted it from my brain so name i meant not talk about it oh yes i'll name the book but yeah no i don't want to talk about it so the book that we were supposed to record for this episode was unnatural magic by stasia stark i didn't realize that this was a spinoff this was another instance where this was a spinoff from a prior series that the author had done and they didn't mention that in like the blurb even though this was apparently supposed to be a standalone series there was a lot of references throughout the book to things that happened in the last series all of the characters from the last series were in this book so me 
having not read the last series, had absolutely no idea what was going on. There was too many characters. I don't like reading references to things that happened in other series that I haven't read. They were just abundant throughout the whole book. So I didn't like it, but if somebody had read that first series, they probably would have liked it a lot more and been a lot less confused because they would know all those characters and they would know all those events. And for me, not having any of that information, it was just too much of that in addition to the new storyline that was being brought about. So I absolutely had an issue, the same issue, only worse, because when you get older, you start doubting everything. It's like, am I losing my mind? Am, have I lost my ability to focus? Am I unable to remember any name? Which I've always had a problem with that, but I'll throw that in anyway. And there were so many freaking people in this book that I almost was weeping and got a whiteboard so that I could write the names down I was like, oh my God, what is happening in this book? I don't understand. There's way too many people. There's way too many references to stuff. What did I tell you I got? 35% in. And I'm like, I can't fucking do this. This is going to be one of the few do not finish books for me for this podcast or in general. I don't normally I force myself. I don't know. It's my Catholic guilt wearing its ugly head again. But normally I force myself to finish your book because I think it must be me. And especially since you like this author so much, I thought, oh my God, Rachel is so much more evolved as a reader than I am. I thought I was an amazing reader because I've been reading my whole life and I'm just lost as fuck in this book. It definitely is not just you. This is kind of like if you had read A Court of Silver Flames from Sarah oh, J. So Moss. Mm -hmm. But you had not read the first four books in the series because Unnatural Magic is about one of the sisters, is about a sister, to the girl that was in the prior series, which would be okay. But things that happened to the current female main character had happened in the other series. So she was talking about things that had happened or thinking about things that happened in that series, which I didn't read. It was too confusing. I do like this author, so I might go back and read that other series and then try again. Maybe I won't be so confused. Yeah, I won't. All that to say that we are not recording the book that we originally had announced. We are instead recording a book by Alessa Thorne, which is a novella that she recently released for a new series that she's starting. So today's book is actually going to be Mercury Rising, a Brides for the Blood Lords novella. And this is part of a bigger series that I think is called inferno city of inferno something to that effect oh, yeah i like Alyssa thorne a lot she's very smart she writes i think i've just we've discussed this before the way she writes she brings in mythology or history or something but in an interesting way where on top of everything you learn something i thought it was really really interesting that her characters her main character's name was asteria oh did you yeah because that other book she wrote it's called asteria right oh the main character in that is asterian with o-n the See, guy yeah similar i forever i'm gonna use the excuse that you were able to go to college go away to college and actually get a degree and i 
really had to struggle when I was much, much older. And I'm sticking with that. It probably is related somehow. I didn't look up what her name actually means, but knowing this author, it probably has some sort of ancient Greek reference or it's from some sort of constellation or it probably does tie back into that other book series somehow, knowing how she writes and researches. Now that you've educated me on the name, it's to me, it's like the feminine version of that name. Is it not? It's like a lot of oh, yeah. other. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, I guess sure everybody knows that. I don't know anything. Go ahead. Um, you want to talk about how this book starts? Sure. So I thought it was interesting that the dedication for this book is actually to her supporters on something called Ream Stories. I haven't heard of that before. So I Me looked either. it up. Oh, good. So from what I can tell, it's like the author's version of having a Patreon, which a lot of podcasts have a Patreon, which if you do a special subscription to their Patreon account, you get extra podcast material. So I'm thinking maybe Ream Stories is the author version of Patreon. But anyways, if you look it up for her, you can subscribe for a monthly fee. I think hers was about 4 or $5 a month. And then you get the stories as she writes them, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for explaining that too. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> sign up for it. I just yeah. looked into it. I was like, what like what is that? I think that's what it is. So anyway, yeah, I can't afford to sign up for one more stinking thing in the world. Oh my gosh, no. Uh, between yeah. everything else, like I would love to get the stories as she writes them. Yeah. But there's no way I'd be able to do it in addition to all the other crap I have. And then knowing my memory, if I actually read this story as she writes it, just say if she did like a chapter at a time, I would uh-huh. never remember what happened by the time I read the next chapter because I, I have the memory of a goldfish. So <laughs> I, yeah. I need to read it all in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. It, plus I would get too frustrated. Plus I would forget to go back and finish it. So that would be a real bummer. So it's better for me just to have the book. I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk to you about this book. Okay, so let's get started. Chapter one A woman named Asteria. She's in a mountain looking for a creature. Well, it turns out it's not just any creature. It's actually a vampire. Asteria's entire family was murdered while she was partying and having sex in a bathroom. Okay, I actually didn't like this part because that's exactly what happened in Crescent City. And so oh, it was way I didn't too even, similar to me. I didn't remember. See, it's sometimes it's good not to have a memory because I didn't remember that at all. And I thought, oh my God, it's a good thing she wasn't there. But at the same time, it's horrible for her that, you know, she has to live with that for the rest of her life. So that's basically the setup to why she's looking for this creature in the mountains. She's tried to get help from a patriarch of the Amulus family, but he wouldn't avenge her dead family. So now she's in the mountains looking for what she refers to as the old master. And he was a founding member of the city of Inferno. And she thinks that the only creature more powerful than him was dragons, which makes me, of course, instantly hope we get some dragon stories. 
Yes, me too. In the first chapter, she explains that there's multiple clans of vampires. The vampires have these human people that protect them during the day and serve them. And her family has been serving this family for what? Uh, hundreds of years and she can't believe when her whole family is slaughtered that the patriarch the acting patriarch of this vampire clan will not avenge her family so she and her family were descendants of the old master's original what she calls Renfield, which yeah. I only know Renfield from that movie that came out like a year ago. I don't know. Is Renfield actually a thing? They're like the human protectors of vampires. Have you heard of them before? No, I was actually surprised by that too. They're the blood sworn families that did things for their masters. Yes. So Asteria and her family are human and their task is to protect the masters during daylight hours while they sleep. I just remembered that movie, Renfield uh-huh. with Nicolas Cage. I love that movie. I thought it was freaking hilarious. Did you ever watch it? No, but I need to because it seemed really weird <laughs> but it also, was like, very weird <laughs> it was so yeah yes that's what it was called so we need to look that up and find out connecting the dots once again uh, we find out a lot of stuff in chapter one obviously we also find mm-hmm. out that there are werewolves and my note is like as if this story didn't already have everything i could ever want they had to just throw in werewolves now i'm just waiting magic. for a berserker and then i'm just like set yeah and there's magic also which I was like, oh, this is interesting. So she does eventually come across his final resting place, and she knows that it's the right location because what she refers to as, well, I'll just read it. Okay. It says, in the rock face before her was carved the alchemical symbol for mercury. It was sacred to alchemists because it transcended both solid and a liquid states. It was also a representation of life and death, the transcendent state of all vampires and immortals. I loved it. Yeah, she finds the the door in the rock face and she whispers, hello, master. And I I really like this. Then she ends up slicing her finger And she traces with her bloody finger over the grooves of the symbol and prayed. And lo and behold, the door in the rock opened. I liked that it was explained because I was like, what does mercury have to do with any of this? This is what it has to do with that. So it was Mm -hmm. tied in pretty well for me. Yes. Agreed. So then chapter two, she enters this resting place or crypt what have you i loved this because she thinks from the stories she'd heard the master had left all his wealth in the vaults under the mansion or in the banks run by the dragons which i loved because of course dragons love their riches dragons yeah their horde and then she finally sees him and he is described as having curling black hair with only the finest traces of silver a strong nose and full lips. Even his beard looked as if it had been trimmed recently. Yeah, he's laying on top of this brocade black and gold bedspread bedroom. And she's like, oh my God, this guy's huge. And then 
the way she describes him, of course, he's handsome. So even though he's been sleeping for over a hundred years, he still looks fantastic, right? <laughs> of course he does. I change every morning when I get up. I'm like, oh my God, who's that old lady in the mirror? Of course, in order to wake him up, she has to feed him some of her blood. So she does. And then he ends up biting her wrist. And she thinks about how this is the first time she's ever had an aphrodisiac effect from a vampire bite. So, of course, she starts getting really horny. And her inner monologue is hilarious because she's like, you will not orgasm while you're trying to wake the master. Like, that's not proper. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She's trying to get him to wake up because he's hasn't had blood obviously for a very long time and he just keeps drinking her blood and she's yelling at him master wake up i'm your blood sworn and all he does is uh, she hears him growl so the chapter ends with her passing out her saying kill me if you need to my master just avenge them so then chapter three is from his perspective because of course now she's passed out he kind of gets some of his awareness back and he thinks that he tasted warm skin female perfume and arousal blood Mm. like spice and honey he realizes that he's actually killing his blood sworn which is a big no-no he's not supposed to do that right he's supposed to protect them Yes. And he calls her Little Dove, which I love that nickname for her. Yeah. His first thing to her when she comes to is, what brought you to this Little Dove? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You, master. He lays her on the bed and he starts rifling through her bags while she's trying to recover from all that blood loss, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he realizes that he was asleep for 147 years, but his, I'm just going to call him second in command. I don't remember what his actual title is. This guy, vampire named Val Linz, was supposed to wake him up after 100 years. So since he's yeah. been asleep for 147, he realizes something is definitely wrong because not only did he oversleep, but this is the wrong person waking him up. So yep. he needs Asteria to recover so he can find out what happened because definitely something went wrong here. Mm-hmm. This was actually kind of weird to me. Okay. He ends up shifting into a wolf to hunt for food for her. Yes. Bizarre. Yeah, it was really weird. So he shifts into a wolf. He gets a deer for her. I've never seen a vampire shift into anything other than bats, I think. So that was really bizarre. Mm-hmm. We also find out about some of the world building for the Inferno City. The, I think this is the symbol for Inferno City. It was stylized fire with seven tongues, each one representing the seven kinds of supernatural creatures that first founded the city. Dragons, vampires, werewolves, mages, demons, gargoyles and fey yeah i'm like oh this could be a really long series i'm very excited for it i am (laughs) i am too i thought i'm very Mm -hmm. excited for it too go ahead all the creatures that i like so basically inferno city uh, would you call it like a refuge for mythical creatures so it's not really a human city it's where the creatures could leave their human cities and go there to establish themselves kind of a safe haven Right. So she does eventually come to 
Mercury draws her a bath, and then she's able to eat that deer that he took down in his wolf form, and she explains why she came to wake him up. I really like that this author is able to take a novella like this, which is short, Mm -hmm. but she also, like, really had me feeling the female main character's isolation and desperation at the... While I was reading it, I really felt bad for her. Yeah, I did too. And it starts with her saying that she's got this intricate scar uh, that's the family crest of his part of the vampire. And Mercury's like, who who did this to you? You know, we all love that. Who did this to you? And she says, Valens did. It's a tradition for all of your household. She thinks there had been something in the gleam in Valens' eye that said he enjoyed the pain. And Mercury gets really mad. And he goes, that's not a fucking tradition tradition i freed your ancestors from slavery over a thousand years ago and gave them the name evandress there shouldn't be a slave mark on your skin valens we you know we already thought he was an asshole and now we realize he really is an asshole yes he's taking some creative license with his running of the family while mercury was in his rest (laughs) yeah he is holy Mm -hmm. moly But, you know, of course, because they are humans, in 147 years, it could be pretty quick for what she's now calling a tradition to take over, right? Because she hasn't been alive for 200 years. She doesn't know that this is not supposed to happen. I really liked that we get right to the sexy times with them, with this cute little necessity that Mercury comes up with. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, isn't it? He conveniently says that if he's going to be at full strength to go to war, he needs to fuck and feed. And so does he ever? Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) God, I'm like, holy moly. Yes. She tells him, I'll do it. I'll let you do whatever you want to me. Kill me. Turn me into your blood whore. I don't care. Just kill the fuckers who murdered my family. And he responds, they will die, little dove. I can promise you that. I would never turn you into a blood whore either. Only idiot fledglings that have no control do that. You will have your own mind once this is through. And she says, then I'm yours. And he says, excellent. We have a deal. Mm-hmm. Boy, do they. My note for chapter five is literally one sentence. Uh, Mercury might be ancient, but his dirty talk is up to par. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was blushing while I was reading this book. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he starts to do all sorts of things to her. Then he says, of course... I'll need the names of your lovers, too, before I'm through. And she says, possessive much? Oh, my God. He says, yes, I am, because this. And then he slaps her in her lady bits. (laughs) Is mine. All of you is mine. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't even talk when I'm remembering what I I read. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So they have sex. He does bite her and drink more of her blood. Um, When they're done, he goes to clean her off. And I thought it was really sweet because he starts to wash her off. And I think he's giving her another bath, right? 
Yeah. This was really sweet because she says, you are my master. You shouldn't be washing a servant like this. And he says, as your master, I have a duty to take care of you and your well-being. So we kind of have like a vampire dom sub relationship happening here. Yeah, that is basically what it is. You know, and she's afraid going to fall in love with him. And she's like, the whole time she's like, I have to remember my place because there are people that become, you know, just like a drug addict, they become addicted to the vampire because it's so hot when they bite you and drink your blood. They have some really sweet moments together. Um, He asks, I think he asks her if she had ever fed Valens and she says Mm -hmm. no she's like I'm not his type and he says well what type is that and she says beautiful and she's like well you know I I could look nice enough but I'm not the prettiest and he only fucks models and he responds by saying you're something better than simply beautiful Asteria you're interesting it's a rarer quality yes so he's able to appreciate not only how she looks but her brain We also find out a little bit of what kind of started this issue and these wars. Turns out that Valens insulted Aulus. I'm sure I'm saying that completely wrong. Who is the patriarch of the family Cassius. And they were having a monthly meeting and he had, Valens had given his number to one of Aulus's consorts. So by that insult, it's kind of started this war between the families. And so she thinks that's why her entire family was murdered because Valens did that thing. Yeah, when I read that, I thought, boy, it doesn't take much to tip that into a war. That's crazy. Um, uh, My other note from this chapter is that he kisses her palm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. And uh, now that I've read that in books, I swear I read it in almost every book I read now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that is so funny. Mm-hmm. In chapter seven, they end up having more sex. He actually feeds her some of his blood in this chapter. I can't remember why. I guess because of the blood loss, he's trying to heal her faster or something. I think he's trying to make it so that if something were to happen to her when they go back and and face the enemy, that she has a better chance of survival because his he has immortal blood, right? Maybe. I just... I just had a little highlight and I don't remember why they started doing a blood exchange here. We're about halfway through the book, maybe, or almost halfway through the book. And they finally leave the caves to return to the city. Now he shifts into a wolf again, and it's referred to as a dire wolf. I still find this really odd. And hopefully this is explained in future books why he's able to do that. I don't understand why he does that. I don't know. Maybe the god Mercury can shift into a dire wolf. We also find out that the Evandrus Manor, which is where her family lived, is spelled against everyone that is a vampire, even their masters, which seemed like a small little thing at the time, but actually plays a big role into what happened to her family later in the books. And it says that not even Valens was invited into the house. Plot thickens who murdered her family if the vampires couldn't get in because the whole premise was that this was a revenge plot from that other head of the other vampire family, right? They end up running through the woods. She's on his back and they're running to her Jeep that she'd left at the end of this trail before her hike. And as soon as he gets in the car, he's like, why does your car smell like a man? (laughs) He's like, he's instantly super possessive of her. And she explains it was her brother's car. 
I was surprised she says this to him. Not that it should matter because it's not your business. Because she's convinced herself she's just a blood slave to him. You know, she's there to serve him. And now that they're out of the tomb and she's gotten him back on his feet, she can't have feelings for him. And he certainly won't have feelings for her because that's just not how things work. And he tells her, any man around you is my business. What you said actually leads perfectly into what my note for this chapter was that he actually falls first. And I really don't read a lot of books like this where the guy falls first, but I thought this was really well done and that he fell for her while they were still in the caves. But the one thing that bothered me about the book was that he doesn't tell her for a while that he wants her to be his bride but actually in this chapter he thinks it to himself so of course she's having all of these uncertainties that they just have this bargain she's the master he's the servant but she's kind of likes him also so when they get back to the city she's worried about how their relationship is going to be and if they're just going to go back to this master servant relationship yeah i kind of wondered why that was she wrote about the fact that he was falling for her and he had all these good intentions that he wants her with him forever but he doesn't tell her so the only thing i could think why he doesn't tell her was this little highlight like two sentence thing that he thinks it says mercury knew he should say something about how he was beginning to feel about her but she was too on guard to accept it he was a patient hunter and could afford to wait he would find asteria's family's murderers for her perhaps spike their heads in her front yard as a present <laughs> and then he would make her his bride <laughs> that was so funny what a great gift Yes, Mm -hmm. please. Do that, please. Then I'll know how much you love me. I guess this is how vampires woo. It's not a dozen roses. It's a dozen (laughs) heads spiked in the yard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they end up getting back to the mansion, right? Mm -hmm. I love this part. And as soon as they get to the stairs of the mansion, doesn't he tell her, you're dismissed? I'll take care of this. And I love the way he takes care of business. I don't have any notes about that. The only note that I highlighted from the book for chapter nine about the house is that he can sense a sleeping spell. And so he thinks that there was a match there. And then he could also smell wolves. Not shifters, but wolf men. Well, that's the house that she lives in. So her family had a house on the property separate from the manor. And that's the one where he had made it so so that vampires cannot enter the house without being invited. But first they go to his manor on the property. Because do you have anything about when he sees Valen for the first time? I don't actually. That's funny. I totally forgot that. Yes, they go to his house first and he does clean house. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I could just see it in my head where they get to his mansion and all of a sudden the doors blow open and Valence steps out in nothing but leather pants and he's all Mercury. What the fuck? And then he just glares at Asteria and says, you woke him, you fucking he starts to call her a bitch. All of a sudden, it says Valens was suddenly clawing for where his throat used to be. 
Mercury's hand was dripping with blood. Perhaps by the time you heal tomorrow night, you will have more respect for Asteria. And he sends him to the dungeon. And then he tells her, Asteria, you're dismissed for the evening. You don't need to witness this. And that's when she's walking away and she just hears a roar that shook the mansion from the inside. And all of a sudden there's all these fleeing vampires and blood whores because he is cleaning house. I like how Valens is kind of like a vampire rock star. Yes. He's like a party boy, a fuck boy, right? Yes. Yes, he is. That is something that happened in the book. But most of my highlights are about all the sex they have, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thought we would talk more about other things besides just the great sex they have. But sure, Mm. we can go with the sex only. That's it was unbelievable. (laughs) I guess that's just where my mind was when I was reading. That's all right. It's very easy to do that. Yeah, the highlighting I did. So they are at her family's manor. They do have sex again in that manor, right? think that was at her place because she does invite him in yeah and that's when he smells the sleeping spell and the wolves everything about them is super hot but of course i think that they just barely finish having sex and they get attacked in that house by i called it werewolves but i guess it was wolf men which is something different i'm not really sure yeah probably explain later yes i don't know what the difference between a wolf man and the werewolf is but in the book, it she made it seem like they are, are two separate things. Maybe that's something that will come up later on in the series to get explained. Before we get into the attack, I have to read this quote because okay. I loved it. So he gets in the house and she keeps calling him master. And he had told her, stop calling me master. And she stands still and goes, you are my master. It's not good for me to forget that in my position. And his response is, Your position is whatever I say it is, on your knees, on your back, bent over the nearest table. And I was like, oh, yeah, take control. I also highlighted that, and I had a love-hate relationship with that. Because it was super hot, but at the same time, he's basically just reaffirming the master-servant thing there. He's not saying, I want you to be my equal and be my bride, right? Oh, that's but true. He thinks that. He's just, I don't know. So it was hot, but it was not what I wanted him to say to her. Yeah, I blacked out a little, so I was <laughs> fine with it. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they do end up fighting those wolf men, and I think they were both naked while they were fighting, which I might be a new favorite of mine. He was definitely naked. I Oh, she oh, yeah. had just put on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that whole thing reminded me of that movie, Mister and Mrs. Smith, which oh. <laughs> I I don't know why it reminded me of that, but it did. Which is funny though, because another book from this author also reminded me of Mister and Mrs. Smith when I read it, which was the Darkest Night book which is book one in her Mercenaries and Magic series, which I absolutely Mm. love. Cannot recommend that series enough. He says to her when they're done fighting, I think it is, by Jupiter, what are you? And she says, I'm yours, Mercury Amulus, I'm yours. And he (laughs) responds, and I'm yours, Asteria Evandris, holy and irrevocably, if I could say that word. 
You can say it easier than me. So I just have general like quick notes from chapter 12 on. Of course, Asteria ends up getting kidnapped by a mage that was hired by Valens. And it turns out that a vampire named Alulus wants to be running the city of Inferno. So I, I guess he's working with Valens against the city's council to start a war. There's all these different players and it's kind of a double cross sort of situation. Yeah. And of course they don't end up killing Asteria. They chain her up in a cave that's slowly filling with water. So eventually she'll drown. This was kind of weird, but also necessary so that she could get rescued. Yeah. And I have seen this way of killing people in other things. So it's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I know what's coming. The tide's mm -hmm. going to come in. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Yes, so Mercury has to rescue her, and he has the powers of telepathy. So he uses that combined with all the blood he's gotten from her to find her, rescue her. The two of them are able to go to the council, where they confront Valens. He does finally propose to her in what I have listed as the most grisly way possible. Yes, but it's still... Makes you swoon. It, yeah, it says a lot more about me than it does about the <laughs> character in the book, I think. <laughs> yeah. Stop watching all those true crime shows. What was that other book we read a long time ago? We did a review on this book where he takes the head off of somebody and she steps over his the one where he comes from a planet to find his true love he ends up taking the head off of somebody rips his head off and she just steps over the head because he tells her i want to marry you and she just steps over the head and it's like yes mm -hmm. we thought that was a gruesome proposal this is right there with it this is exactly what happens because he proposes to her with that bloody head <laughs> and of course she <laughs> Well, what woman wouldn't? So the last chapter was kind of more of an epilogue because it was like a page and a half, two pages long. And it's just them having sex and being happy. And the story ends on a sweet note. Yeah, he ends up turning her to make her his bride. And she starts dying and he just tells her, you're safe, my bride. Your body is dying. That's all. I have you. The pain will pass. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, fangs explode from her gums and she sticks them into his throat. Mm, so now she's his forever bride. I wish them luck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in marriage. And I just can't imagine being immortal and being married to someone. Unless you have this hot sex thing going for you. What'd you rate it? I thought this was really hot. I have not read a book before, I don't think, where we have the Bloodsworn and a master vampire. So I thought it was different. So I really liked it. Their sex was beyond hot. Uh, I would probably give this probably five wet panties. Wow. Okay. Well, I really like her writing and... I don't know. What about you? What did you think? I would give it probably four to four and a half wet panties. I loved that it was the start to a new series or how it was the start to a new series, I should say. I liked the main couple, but we also got good information for the upcoming books in the series, like all the dragons and the shifters and the different 
factions of mythological creatures. I liked the setting that it's this whole city that's dedicated to them. There were a couple things that I didn't necessarily like. I think this was the author's like swan song to mythology in general because there were a couple of references that she made that were supposed to be like jokes. I don't want to call them braggy because it's really not braggy. I just didn't get them where like Asteria makes some sort of joke and Mercury is like, oh, are you trying to, did you just make a such and such joke? And he kind of falls in love with her a little bit over that. I totally didn't get it because I didn't know who any of those people from old Greek or Roman mythology are. But I know the author's really into that. I know she really does do her research. She's actually gone to some of these countries to see these things firsthand. I just didn't really like them because I didn't get it. My main complaint about this book is the same complaint I have about every book that does this, where too many of the names started with the same letter. So I actually was confused pretty heavily at times because we had Asteria, which was obvious. But then the family names, we had Amulus, which was Mercury. But then the bad guy was Aulus. It's essentially the same name without the letter M. So I really got confused as to like which family was being referenced when and who the bad guy actually was. Was he in the family, outside the family? But I have that complaint about any book that does that with the letters because my brain just can't keep it straight. Is it because, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think of that as her keeping with the true terms of Greek mythology or mythology in general, So she is referencing things that are true because sometimes I Google it. I highlight it to find out what the definition is. You know what I mean? While I'm reading for words I don't know. And I don't Uh know anything about mythology. So that's the only thing that I was thinking. Oh, I also forgot to mention, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but she ends her book with part of an introduction to the next book called iron heart feathers and stone book one so that's actually a different series oh it is okay so yeah that's interesting that she put that in there i read that book when we were in scotland you did how funny oh scotland i miss you (laughs) yeah that book came out a while ago so yeah well okay a few months ago not a while ago all right, so go on. What else did you think? No, that I was done, actually. So Oh, okay, then. Been a while since we recorded. Have you read 45 things since we recorded last? Because <laughs> we did take that break. I read a couple of things because I'm, become, I'm a Katie Wilde addict. I started reading, I read High Moon by Katie Wilde, which was hot. I thought that book was hotter than this book, if that's possible. Oh, wow. But that, but the book we just finished was a novella, so that may have been why it was short. And the other, mm-hmm. the High Moon, I think, was three hundred plus pages. I also read Her Orc Gentleman by Zoe Ashwood, which is the new book she she dropped. Is that the last one? I know that there's one coming out about a female orc. So Her Orc Gentleman is the most recent book, and I also read that as well. So, oh, okay. So, yeah. And then Finley Fenn, I, I get her newsletter and I love her. To me, she's like the queen of what I think an orc would actually be like, mm-hmm. uh, which one of the things is hot as hell. 
And she, <laughs> <laughs> in her newsletter, she dropped um, a thing where you could download Yuled by the Orcs. So, hmm. again, I think it's a one female, two males thing. I wish her next book would be just a one couple. So I just downloaded that. So I'll be reading that because I, I can't put that book down. And I'm still waiting for the next Crescent City book. I Her books, uh, I can't even start about those books killing me. Those books are kill me when I read them. <laughs> Sarah Moss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? What have you read besides her her orc gentleman? I've read a lot, actually. I read that book, oh. Love Zoe Ashwood. And then I've read a few books from T.S. Joyce because they're short and sweet and they, I always like them. So I read Red Havoc Rogue, which I think came out in 2018 or 2019. I thought it was okay. I was actually a little disappointed in it. So then I switched to a different series, one of her newer series, the Wolves of Piston series. Oh, I haven't is, read that. Was it good? It's good. So I read the first two books in that series. It's way different to me in terms of the magic and the things that are happening in there with the shifters. But mm. I do I do like it and I want to continue it. So I read Zombie Wolf of Piston, which was book one, and then Brother Wolf of Piston, which was book two. There's some of her newest books that she's released. So I'm actually reading right now King of Cups by Amy Kuvalainen. She's the author that we did a episode for. I think it was last season. I want to say the book was wolf of the sands i don't um, remember that yeah we did an episode on that i can't remember if it was last season or the season before i did really like her so anyways the book i'm reading right now is book three in her tarot kings series which is like magic shifters set in a mythological venice it's kind of cool so i'm like maybe 20 percent into that right now as my current book Oh, I just Googled on in my Kendall library, the Red Havoc series, and apparently I've read three of the books in that series. Red Havoc, mm -hmm. Road, Bad Cat, and Guardian. Okay, do you have Wolves of Piston in there? I think I downloaded that too. Let me see. Oh, I haven't read them. I just have samples. So yeah, I need to get back into more of her books. Mm-hmm. Because I fell off of them for a while when I found Katie Wilde. And I like to read them too because they're good. Because they are short and sweet. And she's a good writer in my opinion. Yes, and I actually thought... I think I started reading them again because I wasn't sure what to read next. And I wanted something short and quick and I knew I was going to like because I was actually worried this year I wasn't going to meet my reading goal on Goodreads. So I was like, oh, I got to like pump a couple out between now and New Year's and hit that reading goal. And I made it and I'm actually one book over right now. So I'm good. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to find what my reading goal was on Goodreads and I couldn't even find it. So, but I read a lot of books. I think I'm two books behind you. 
I'm going to have to check your phone next time. Well, I'm going to see you later today. So when we're together, remind me and I'll show you how to see your reading goal and see how many you wanted to read and how many you have read. Because I think you've read more than me, actually. You read a lot more than I do, I feel like. Well, it says that I've read 401 books, but I find that hard to believe. So yeah. That's probably total. Because it'll oh, tell okay. you like total, and then it'll tell you by the year. All right. So then I need you to help me with that. Oh, I have to announce the next book, too. Speaking of your obsession with Katie Wilde, we're basically a Katie Wilde <laughs> fan podcast, fan cast. I don't even know what it would be called, but <laughs> that's, that's terrible, what we are but now. It's true. Yeah. yeah so our next book is Teacher's Pet Wolf by Katie Wilde. So that will be our first. Well, no, not our first, because this is our first episode releasing in 2024, which is wild. That is wild. Yeah, I am obsessed with her. And I read the first book in that series. And I told you it was super hot. So I started this book. I was I almost started Double Stuffed, the pillow book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I thought... You, <laughs> I downloaded it, but I thought you had said you we may do that for the podcast, so I stopped reading it. Okay, good. Yes, because I do want to do that for because it's so fucking wild. I want it is wild. <laughs> I feel like we should have woman. a follow up. <laughs> yeah, kudos to her and her imagination. So yeah, we'll talk about that today too. All right, can't wait to see you. All right, I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, bye, honey. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.